0: Starts this chapter talking to masters and servants, and uh, we could relate to it as employees and bosses, but in that time, slavery was a reality. It was part of their economy. It wasn't all totally bad and evil. Uh, It wasn't totally good either. So in the church, you would have masters and slaves worshiping together. And so Paul would exhort the servants to serve their masters uh, not just when they're looking, but serve their masters because in, uh, to give glory to God. And, um, and masters don't be dominating your servants, beating them and heckling them and stuff, and pay them a just wage and things like that. And so it works out to the good for the servant better. Christianity's improving the life of the servant, but ultimately... The golden rule jesus said do unto others as you would have them do unto you uh, brings an end to slavery if people will believe the gospel it will happen in places in the world and even in america where it's not believed slavery exists here primarily in the sex trade but in india slavery still exists people are servants to pay off debts or whatever reason Anyway, so uh, not getting into into that because we have on earlier weeks, um, I would like to look at the first part of the chapter. The last sentence in verse 2 says, Teach and exhort these things. Uh, Teach is to explain things, and exhortation is an application. Come on, step it up. It's time to do something. If anyone teaches otherwise, And does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine or teaching which accords with godliness. If anyone doesn't agree with that, he is proud. Pride makes us rebellious, doesn't it? Knowing nothing. Meanwhile, he thinks he knows everything. But is obsessed with disputes. And arguments, we can be contentious people just want to argue about everything. Argue with the sign we painted over words. Sometimes it's just semantics. Sometimes I've got an argument with somebody and before I knew it I was contradicting myself. I was just being contentious. And one friend of mine admits in an argument if he sees that he's losing, he changes his position. It can be totally confusing. That, that's being contentious um arguments should be a quest for truth from which come this kind of stuff this kind of behavior disputes arguments over words come envy strife just unending quarrels reviling evil suspicions false accusations useless wrangling useless of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. Uh, Those kind of people view Christianity as a means of gain. Now, this is more than just My Christianity is going to get me rich. No, my Christianity is going to help me win. God wants me to be happy. You're going to have to suck it up and let me win because I'm a Christian, that kind of deal, contentiousness. And uh, people have used the prosperity teaching as well to sell investments that were just bad deals. And I had a woman one time... Say, well, why why don't you want to get involved in this investment thing? So it's not going to work. Well, don't you believe God wants us to be rich? Don't you believe God wants to bless us? Yes, he wants to bless us, but I don't think he wants to bless us through a scam kind of deal. Um, now, verse 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. A contented person is not a quarrelsome person.
1: Yeah.
0: A contented person is a person, Paul Paul said in another place, I've learned to be content in whatever state I am in. I've learned to be abased. Yes, go ahead,
1: what is it? Yeah.
0: yeah, I've learned to be abased. That's humiliated, that's no fun. And I've learned how to abound. Oh, we all love that all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I've learned whatever state I'm in, not talking about Kentucky or Texas, but the, the condition we're in, I've learned to be contented. When I'm contented, I'm easy to get along with because I'm drawing my contentment from, from the Lord. So it's not just being contented, though. It's godliness with contentment. Some people are content to just be mean. Some people are content to just be atheists. Some people are content to, to live in sin. No, it's godliness with contentment. That is great gain. Doesn't doesn't mean everything's going to go your way. Go ahead.
1: Along with the ups
0: and downs. Yeah, along with the ups and downs. Yeah. Yeah. For, verse 7, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Naked we came in, naked we came out. You ever hear of a funeral suit? I don't know if they make them, but they say funeral suits don't have backs to them. Uh, Hurses don't have trailer hitches you want to see something funny, do an image search on Google, hearse with U uh, haul and there are some pictures out there of hearses pulling u hauls. It's a joke. hearses don't pull u hauls they don't have trailer hitches. People don't take stuff with them. Well, I saw somebody take something in their casket with it. it's because the folks that buried them allowed them to keep it, but there's been known. Uh, stories of people, true stories of people digging people up to get that stuff back. We came in this world naked. We're going going back naked. Mm -hmm. So godliness, though, that gives us assurance of eternal life. That is everything. So godliness with contentment is great gain. Having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. If we're not naked, we need to be thankful. Mm -hmm. Thank God. But those who desire to be rich, if, if you lust for riches, fall into temptation and a snare. The quest to be rich can be a trap. And into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. I ask my phone, define perdition. And it said eternal damnation. Well, okay. <laughs> that's pretty strong. Yeah,
1: that's bold.
0: Verse 10. For the love of money, not money, mm-hmm. the love of money is a root or a source of all kinds of evil. From the white-collar crimes on Wall Street to the thugs waiting on somebody, in the alleyway the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. There's been some sad things we've seen on Christian TV where guys have gotten into prosperity teaching too far and see that godliness is a means of gain and you sow your seed You know, $2,600, you'll get a new anointing times 10. I think that's an imaginary anointing. Um, God blesses giving. You know, He does. But to put a price tag on it and to tell people make a vow, and, uh, uh, you know, there's churches that don't exist anymore that got into that. It Mm -hmm. just creates all sorts of sorrow and wrecks their homes and now they're on wife number whatever you know Um, and they're supposed to be men of God see what I mean the the love of money can be a trap money's great I mean it's a means of exchange it certainly is more convenient to travel around the world with access to some cash and not have to haul a cow and feed him and milk him and take care of him and you know sell products you get from him or whatever it's much easier to you know have Currency that can travel quicker. So, money's great, but a love of money is a root of all kinds of evil.
2: I've been rich and have poor, and rich is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> but you, O man of God, now this is Paul writing to a young minister. Flee these things. So run from that kind of thing, mm. and pursue, run towards this kind of thing. So flee these things and pursue these things. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Those are the attributes of the contented Christian. I'm easy to get along with because I found my fulfillment in the Lord. Fight the good fight of faith. Don't fight all these other fights. What's, well, you know? There's a good fight. Stay in the real war. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called. So pursue what, what God has called you to. And have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. What is the good confession? What do you guys think? Have a little interaction here. What is the good confession?
1: Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God.
0: The word confess means to say the same thing as or to to agree with. Mm-hmm. So when we confess our sins, we're not agreeing that those are good. We're agreeing that we have sinned. So we're agreeing with the truth that we've sinned, and we're agreeing with God that this isn't good. But the good <clears throat> confession, I think, is that. It's rooted in that. It's the gospel.
1: The good
0: news of God. Yeah. I urge you, verse thirteen, I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things. So I'm I'm urging you, Timothy, in the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Now he could have argued with Pontius Pilate. He could have been contentious with him. He wasn't. He just told him, You say rightly, I'm a king, I am a king.
1: That's
0: about all he did say. And I, you don't take my life from me. I lay it down. That's about it. Uh, that you keep this commandment, like Jesus did, speak the gospel, the good confession, without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing. So we're to preach the gospel everywhere it was been commanded to. We're not to be contentious. We're to walk in love. Uh, these things he's given here is instructions where to walk in until the Lord comes back. Well, I'm tired of being obedient. Yeah. Well, come to Him and say, I need help. I'm tired of being obedient. Give me some help. Go take a nap so you can replenish your strength. Um, until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which He will manifest in His own time. He who is the blessed and only potentate. Mm-hmm. He's the only true emperor, and king of kings, and lord of lords. I I, I kind of see us as the kings there with a little k, and us as the lords there with little l's, because he's authorized us to be his representatives. He's authorized us to... to um, We're
2: called to be his priests and kings.
0: Yeah, called to be priests and kings. And, of course, we know he is the king of earthly kings as well and earthly lords. Who alone has immortality, dwelling in, I don't even, I'm just reading it, I don't understand it, dwelling in unapproachable light. That's beyond blinding, that's unapproachable. Whom no man has seen or can see. So apparently, it's a blessing to not see this unapproachable light. Probably it would burn us up. To whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. So, yeah. So now here's here's the <laughs> verses I'm supposed to teach tonight. We've taken this in certain segments, John, and uh, shared it. Um, verses 17 to 19, I think, really balances what he said in uh, verses uh, 9 and 10. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil from which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So if you just left it at that, we would we would kind of have a bad taste in our mouth about money. And often people will quote this, and we don't see the whole picture from from, the, from God's perspective. So the Holy Spirit inspiring Paul to write balances this because there are rich people in the church. And to be honest with you, as Americans, we're all rich. Amen. We are all rich. The guy on the street on welfare is rich compared to things you've seen, right? The majority of the world, that's the one thing that scares me about Facebook, is the whole world now has access to it. And these poorer countries already envy us. And now we are flaunting our lives in front of the world. Are they going to hate us and it's going to create more terrorism? I don't know. But the point is we are rich. So this applies to all of us. So they'll think, well, it's not me. This is for... Uncle Joe Blow, I sure wish he was here to hear this. Now, this is for us. Command those who are rich in this present age. So in the, the present age in which we live, U.S. citizens are all rich. They just are. So here's what we're commanded to do. We're commanded not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God the forefathers of this nation when they developed currency do we know the origin of the words in god we trust on the currency that's something we could google where how, where did that start they, it's on there for because of this verse though we want to trust in god not in uncertain riches because a fire can come and burn up our cash uh the economy can take a turn and the dollars worth less that it is, uh, a balloon can bust in the economic world, and our investments are no good, the stock market can crash. Uh, well, we just need gold. We just need gold. Oh, really? There's a story It happened here in De Cordova Ben, when 911 was happening not when Y2K was coming upon us, and people were, were predicting all sorts of gloom and doom for us. Somebody had a safe with a lot of gold in it in their garage in De Cordova Bend. Guess what happened to that safe? Nobody knows. It disappeared. So we don't want to put our faith in uncertain riches. That doesn't mean we don't need to invest and be wise and all that. But our faith needs to be, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Sunlight, oxygen, water, love. A lot of things we enjoy that don't cost a thing. And A lot of times it's because of the price our forefathers paid. I mean, to have running water, this is a huge blessing.
1: Amen.
0: Let them... The rich people, us, do good. That they be rich in good works. So we want to be rich more than just in money, but in our works. We want to be rich, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for ourselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. The Bible says when we give to the poor, we lend to the Lord. When we give to meet needs of widows, orphans, and disaster victims, we are giving to something that's dear to God's heart. One day he'll say, hey, I was in need, and you you helped meet my need. We give to the spreading of the gospel. We're joining in with God's agenda. And one of the other problems with discontent isn't just that we're hard to get along with, but our discontentedness, uh, we're discouraged from being generous because uh, we don't feel like it. Can't do
1: them both. Yeah. Can't, can't do them both.
0: Can't both one time. Yeah. So in Timothy's case, he may not have been rich monetarily, but he was rich spiritually. Listen to what he tells him here. Verse 20. Oh, Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. Paul had made an investment in him. Avoiding the profane... And idle babblings and contradictions, I think this alludes to what he was talking about earlier about contentious people, and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Is that the end of the book? That's it. His grace be
1: with you after that.
0: So guard what was committed to your trust. Avoid profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. So here's a young man entrusted with something that you can't put a price tag on it, but he's got to be a wise steward of it with the gifts God has given him. And he's mentioned this earlier earlier in the thing. So these contentious people, sometimes you have to stand against them. Sometimes you have to speak the truth, but not every time. Some things you just leave alone, not worth it. Uh, I have an example from my own experience here in the church. Years ago, we were at another location. There was a group of families in the church that believed the Lord told them that all the milk in Texas was going to get infected with the virus. That the dairies all take their milk to these co-ops and for whatever reason a virus was going to hit the co-ops and milk wasn't going to be fit to drink and uh, people drinking milk from Kroger's were in serious danger all right so I, I caught wind of this and you know I'm like oh, okay that's a bunch of you know, who knows um, and I also heard that they were making trips to Brahms in Finbrook. We didn't have one here. And buying milk at Brahms. That milk, the word they had was milk and all the stores going to be corrupt, but Brahms is safe. So they would call each other once a week, or right, who's going to go to Brahms? And they would go to Brahms and buy all this milk. And So I'm a young pastor, and this is just very disturbing to me. So I did some research. I called a co-op in Stephenville. You know, Stephenville is the dairy capital of Texas. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: And they said, "What's?" I said, "What's the difference in co-op milk and Brahms milk?" He said, "Well, Brahms has its own. Brahms has their own dairies, okay? Um, and so they don't get milk from the co-op. But if the weather changes, their milk production drops, or if there's not enough rainfall, their milk production drops. Brahms will get milk from the co-ops."
1: Yeah.
0: I thought, I got them. I got them. But something inside said, you better seek some counsel or you correct these people, you know. Y'all are just wrong and, you know, all that stuff. And so uh, I wasn't even sure how I was going to do it, but I was going to confront this foolishness in the church. So I called one of my pastors, like the right-hand guy to my pastor, and laid this out before him. And he said this, if I was you, I'd leave that alone. So what if they're driving hundreds of miles getting milk? So what if they're being foolish? You can't run people's lives for them. And something like this isn't damaging to their soul and it's not affecting the gospel per se. This is one thing you need to leave alone. And he gave some stories. We had people storing food under their beds and all this, and the mice came in and got it. He says, you have to let people learn some things the hard way. Pick your battles. This is one I would leave alone. And so I did. Why? That would have been a useless wrangling. They would have told me I was wrong, that God said. Anytime people say God said, you kind of have to back off unless it's unless you've got clear scripture proven wrong and uh anyway i don't think they go to brahms anymore and if they do it's a whole lot closer now uh do any of you guys have experiences of of somebody that's being wrong about something but you backed off and it all sorted out i
1: don't have that story but i blew it just recently okay I blow things every once in a while. my friends say I'm interesting <laughs> the uh I met a guy two months ago. We just came into contact at a at a job interview. I don't work but part time every once in a while and uh, we we're at an interview, and we hit it off, and I liked him. he liked me and uh little girl said, you can work there, and we both started there at the same time. And then all of a sudden, that night, that very night, well, I just got out of prison a couple weeks ago, and I live with my sister, and I don't have a car, and I'm on probation, and can you give me a ride? Well, I thought, cool. So I did, and I took him and brought him, and took him and brought him, because I live down by con, and he lives on four, where Scissor's big old ranch is, and I want to see some of their animals anyway because we're fixing to buy a ranch and blah, 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 we wanted some donkeys and junk like that. So he had common ground. It wasn't a week later that he said, uh, and of course I'm sharing some biblical things, and he's sharing his prison interesting things, and uh, he was a bit off track in my opinion, uh, hard still and he said out of nowhere hey my girlfriend and I are she's going to get me a car and uh, she's a uh, vet in Webford and I said your girlfriend is a vet in Webford and how long has she done that? Oh 10 years and she waited for you 7 years Oh, yeah, we're strong. And I'm just trying not to get into his life very much. But then he said, you know, God, she's good in bed, and I just I just can't stay away from her. Would you drive me over there? I just got to have some of that tonight. Mm. Well, I thought, I'll visit with him about that. And some scriptures come to my mind, and I was thinking that uh, marriage outside of the marriage. I mean, sex outside of the marriage and running around, He still wanting to go to the bar a little bit. You know, just a little nip here and there. It's not too bad. You know, if you keep it under a pint, it's okay. And He had numbers for everything he did, you know. Mm-hmm. And he said... Uh, You know, I don't mind driving my sister's car because she'll give me anything. They're well off. But uh, I don't want to. And I said, well, why would you make me do that, you know, if you have the means to do that? And he said, well, you're just easy. (laughs) (laughs) So I started building and building and building, and I I just laid it on him one afternoon. I said, man... We've been visiting for two weeks. Okay. And I said, you know what? You didn't go to church with me the first Sunday. And now you're not going to go with me because it's Friday. Now you said you're just not going to go next Sunday either. What makes you think you have some salvation in your life that you got out of prison? What did you learn? And man, he just reared up. You have the right to judge me, you dead gum religious, righteous fanatic, da 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 and he just ate me up and never talked to me again. I I didn't like the job and I quit. And he just shut me off. Mm-hmm. But then three weeks later goes by, nothing, 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 out of nowhere. Hey, John, I'm in a lot of trouble. I'm in the weather for you. Did you come get me? <laughs> I went and got him, you know? I said, Wow, Lord, thanks. Brought, him, brought it back. Okay. Now I'm calling it it. Now, brought it back. So I, I go over and I said, you know, before we start up the car, we're going to pray about this. You've got issues. And I've been there, done that. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been way too icky in my life. And he, uh, we, you know, he said, okay. So, you know, I just felt like Second Timothy. while well, we were talking about Timothy, mm-hmm. and just doing the right thing. And man, all of a sudden he just was, well, here you go again, pulling out the Bible and your armor of God, your Ephesians four six and. All that crap and I'm just not into that. and I said, Well I can see that. I'll give you right home and we ain't talked since. Oh. So yeah, how's,
0: it, how's it working for you?
1: <laughs> I kinda left it like that, you know? Yeah. You know?
0: Because yeah.
1: uh, when direction. he when, right before he left me off he said, Hey, I do not I can't believe this would you give me a ride to Bedbrook? I've got to pay my fine because I just got out of jail. And I said, what would you do? And he said, well, I was driving without a license, and I got to go to (laughs) jail. And I said, you told me two weeks ago, it's just going to be a ticket. And and he said, yeah, it is. My sister paid for it.
0: So interesting.
1: People's lives are so messed up. And, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, he was messed
0: up. Well, you you were wise for not arguing with him. Yeah, that's good. Anybody else, Tom? In talk? answer to your question, yes. according to the
2: U.S. Treasury, in uh, 1837, January the 18th of 1837, Congress passed an act that prescribed mottos and uh, the phrase, In God We Trust, on coins. Kay. In 1863, they actually designed a new two-cent piece to put uh, either Our Country, Our God, or uh, God, Our Trust, hmm. and uh, which appeared. But it wasn't until uh, 1873 uh, that the Secretary of the Treasury could cause the motto, In God We Trust, to be inscribed on coins. Uh, and it has been not interrupted on coins since then, but it wasn't until uh, FDR and Eisenhower in 57
0: that they started putting
2: it on the uh,
0: paper currency. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And Eisenhower also put um, Under God in our mm-hmm. pledge, right? Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. So that's, the, uh, that's the history. According to the U.S. Treasury yeah. Department,